0: Welcome to the Celtic Way Podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything.
1: Seasons come and go,
0: Welcome to the Celtic Way Podcast. I'm Matt Kinzera here, as always, with Creative Director of Celtic Way and one of the best humans in the world, Scott Jenkins, and super excited today because, Scott, it's not people don't just have to listen to you and I talk. We have a guest today, and our guest is Crystal Tucker, who works with Bridge of Hope, and I could share what Bridge of Hope does, but I'm going to let Crystal do that. So welcome to the podcast, Crystal.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: And why don't you share with us just a little bit of like the 60,000 foot view of what Bridge of Hope does and what your role is in it?
2: Absolutely. Uh, so Bridge of Hope uh, is a nonprofit. Um, mine's located in Denver, but there are locations all over the U.S. actually. But uh, we help single moms and their kids overcome homelessness uh, through a two-year program where we uh, get them into housing. And then we work with them to help them make progress on um, goals towards better income, a better career, um, stabilizing just their situation so that hopefully they never face homelessness again. So that's kind of the, the 60,000 foot view. I'm the program manager, so I oversee the program, uh, making sure that um, we're bringing families in and giving them great service. I support our case management team. Those are social workers that work with, with each of the families.
0: Oh, that sounds like smart person work there. That's, that's awesome. Uh, So Scott, what is your connection with crystal and with bridge of hope? And, uh, what, what's kind of conversation are we having here today? I know you have a huge heart for people who are struggling. And so I'm guessing that's kind of the connection, obviously. We all share this in, in common and believe that it's a deep part of our spirituality as well. So just share a little bit of your connection, Scott.
1: Yeah, and it's and not just mine and Chris's, but for Celtic Way, um, you know that I've been connected to Mile High Ministries and Justice and Mercy Legal Aid Center for 15 years. And so we're looking for something that is very much hands-on for our organization and for Chris and I um and we'd like to find something in our neck of the woods in our neighborhood in aurora and um crystal's going to tell you about um, how that's going to literally flesh itself out but i'm pretty excited about it it fits into our with our vision at celtic way um to be present to be hospitable to be welcoming to be encouraging to be enlightening for people and crystal has her organization makes that possible for us to be really present with people um and and that's what we want we know the importance of mailing in checks to support organizations like hers and others um but we need to to fill fill out our circle uh, at celtic way to be really involved boots on the ground and, and really engage people Uh, with the gospel. And, and yeah, so this is good, good for us.
0: I love it. I love it. Now, Crystal, um, you know, Scott and I both have worked a lot in struggling with struggling communities and we both know firsthand how challenging that can be. And I mean, for lack of better words, sometimes it's just downright demoralizing. Uh, But how is it, just explain a little bit about the program that you have and how it helps single mothers and their children, how it helps them get to this place of, you know, either self-sufficiency or just at a place where they're better off than when they came to you.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, they all, um, every family comes in with a unique situation. Um, and so the first thing that we do is um, really assess what are those areas of, um, instability for them. Um, and then depending on what those are, we've really tried to lean in and help the families create some really aggressive goals towards, making permanent change in their lives um for a lot of these women they've grown up in this too like they've they've always kind of faced some instability even as um, children growing up and so it's a huge shift for them in their mindset and uh, their emotions um oftentimes there's a big mental health component that we bring in um really encouraging families to um face whatever those struggles are head on um, and really make some change. So for a lot of them, that can be, um, some really intense, like financial work, uh, sitting down and meeting with a financial coach to work out, um, not just their, um, their debts and increasing income, but also, you know, how do they see money and how does that affect the way that they spend it? Um, there's often emotion tied with, uh, with money. And so, um, that's a, a huge piece for them. Um, another big piece is repairing relationships. So a lot of these, um, women through their life experience have just learned that they, need to just do things on their own because people have let them down whether that's um ex-partners or even their family members or friends um you don't end up facing homelessness as a, a single mom um, without some challenging relationships in the past and so um a big piece of our work is helping them learn to trust again learn to ask for help um, while also still doing you know work themselves um for sure but um, letting them know it's okay to reach out. And that's actually a big component of our program that I haven't um, talked about yet, is that um, in addition to the kind of professional support they receive from social workers who you know are on staff at our program, um, we pair every family in our program with a group of people from a Christian faith community uh, for the whole two years that they're in our program. Um, we call these neighboring volunteers because the idea is that we're creating a, a neighborhood of support for the families, um, where they they know they have people they can call on for encouragement, for advice, for help. Um, you know, let's say the whole family is uh, sick, uh, they might reach out to their neighboring volunteers and say, "Can can someone just bring a meal over? Um, we're we're just having a really hard time." Or I'm trying to get into this career. Does anyone like have any connections? Um, and so um, that's a really special part of the program um, that we really see a lot of transformational change because we're bringing in people from um, very diverse experiences, um, oftentimes very different from the families in our program. Um, and so while that can be a challenge sometimes to to build a bridge between two different cultures, two different um, uh, experiences, uh, it can be really powerful because it gives the family um, kind of a picture of what what life could be um and they have literal friends in it with them uh, helping them helping them get there so
0: oh that's great i think that like that to me scott is such a deep connection to celtic way because sometimes you'll see and and you know god bless all of the help organizations out there that are trying to do their part mm-hmm. but a lot of times what we'll see is we'll see organizations Give something that's helpful, whether that's housing, whether that's um, food, you know, whatever it is. But I think the the piece that the reason that that doesn't always work from a standpoint of giving getting somebody from here to there is because the community piece is very often missing from organizations because it's not this isn't just a money issue. This isn't just a food issue. This isn't just a housing issue. It's also a community issue and caring for one another issue. And I think that part of what you do, Crystal, seems to tie in really well to Celtic way, which is all about that concept of, of doing life together. Is that a big part of um, your connection here, Scott?
1: That's just the flow, the life flow, right? I mean, we're such a relational group anyway, you know, and when I first met with um Crystal and she was telling me about the program, I was like, okay, this is it, you know, but then I have to be um, intentional and slow about talking to the Celtic way people, which I'm doing still in the process of doing, but have had a lot of good conversations. And, um, and Crystal's organization does something that's, that's really needed on both sides of the fence. Like you said to us last time, we need to make a two year commitment. You know, this is not just a relationship that's fleeting, like we're going to be around for three or four months and say, Oh, you know what, I really don't want to do this anymore. Maybe, not always, but maybe these people have had enough of that in their life and they don't need any more of it. And it's good for us to make this kind of commitment to people, you know, and I, I just think it's just, it's a godsend to our organization. And hopefully it will be for the people that we're going to, we're going to become friends. We're going to become good neighbors to them, you know, yeah. it, it provides us a, a real concrete, um, expression about how to live out our faith.
0: And uh, it, it reminds me, Scott, of when you used to share, or you've shared on this podcast and you've shared with me, like the, the Celtic Christians, how they would set themselves up in a community and they wouldn't start a church, but they would just engage with the community. And I think of, you know, this type of work that Crystal's doing, um, you know, really kind of harkens to that where, you know, that community element of, You know it's you even mentioned preaching the gospel but the way when you say that i know it's different than what a lot of people could even hear yeah right because it's that it's all about the way that we interact with one another and the way that we help as well now crystal do you see some because you said it's like a two-year commitment for some of these families and things like that do you see times when that relationship just keeps going
2: yeah absolutely we actually have um we have quite a few uh, graduates from our program who are still in contact with their, their neighboring volunteers and still check in on them. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a second family in a lot of ways to, to these women. So,
0: And what mm-hmm. is, I, I'm always fascinated with, because, you know, you as a young, smart, educated human being, like there's so many things you could choose to do as a livelihood. Right. And so I'm always fascinated with how somebody chooses to do a line of work like this that can be so hard so taxing so you know uh you know it's not gonna make you rich most likely um so what is it that that got you to this space and what is it that brought you to where you are today
2: great question yeah so um i have been a social worker now for six seven years um and what drew me to it was just a feeling of you know i i grew up in a in a great home um but there were still things that i struggled with as a teenager um, things that i wrestled with and um i had really wonderful mentors in my life who um befriended me and even when i was this like you know awkward weird teenager um they they met with me regularly um just and just were kind of like big sisters in a lot of ways uh, and and mentoring me and so when it came time for for me to decide what I wanted to do, I, I really felt that calling of, I, I too want to help uh, people. Um, I want to step into their lives and help them um, get to a better place. And so, yeah, I, I actually um, was a school social worker for a while. Um, and then I uh, worked for a, a nonprofit that did like a leadership program for teenagers. And so now, now I'm here and, and just really um, Yeah, it's been a whole different experience working with adults uh, versus working with kids. Um, More challenging in a lot of ways, but then also um, pretty rewarding, too, because I think it means it means a lot when someone who's been living a certain way for 20, 30, 40 years um, makes a change and you get to be a part of that. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of my my uh, roundabout way of getting there.
0: In this line of work in this line of of helping, sometimes success can feel a little bit elusive. Mm-hmm. So with with your organization, you know to or even to you specifically, like what does success look like to you?
2: Good question. Yeah, it's tough because I personally am am very much a perfectionist, kind of typical oldest child, you know, just get the things done and do it perfectly. And that's absolutely not (laughs) what uh, not a standard that um, we can or should hold other people to. And so success, I think, in a lot of ways, um, I see it in this in this role. Success is when um, families are able to step into some discomfort, even though yeah, it comes with a lot of anxiety, it comes with a lot of. worrying yet they still do it because they decide it's worth it for their family. Maybe they're anxious to go for a certain kind of job or they're anxious to go back to school um, or to start addressing their mental health. Um, but they but they do it. And so even just that step of starting that is, is a huge um, success in, in my mind and in my colleagues' minds because we know we know what's going on beneath that um, beneath that decision.
0: Scott, share a little bit like from a historical standpoint, how like this type of work and Celtic spirituality are connected.
1: So historically, when you think about the the monks and and, uh, women who came from the deserts of Syria and Egypt, you know, who knows when, two, three, 400 AD over to Great Britain. And then some of them also came from uh, maybe isolated places in Turkey. And what they formed, like you said earlier, Matt, well, it's like we weren't there to build dioceses and institutions and churches, but we formed a community where literally little huts were built in a circle with a bigger building at the end of, and one point of the circle. and And they concentrated on their work of raising crops and raising sheep, goats, cattle, whatever they had. And they would let the village kind of come to them and there would be this interface of helping. Like they would teach the village better ways about how to grow crops and raise animals, and they would share their goods. Uh, and it was very much relational and mutual in terms of benefit. And I, I see that all over this, you know, a lot of people will say, Oh, you're going to help these people over in this apartment, whatever. And this is a this is a two-way street here because we're going to learn, we're going to grow. There'll be this interchange that goes back and forth, and hopefully the relationship will deepen and broaden and uh, and will become a really good, good, healthy relationship. This is the history of the Celtic movement right here. W- really what, what the Bridge of Hope is providing us is the, the rounding out the expression of Celtic way, because this is what Celtic people have always done. You know, we will help, and we will listen, and we will benefit. And when and if the people want to hear about our faith journey, we'll be happy to share in a very natural, uh, developing rhythm. We're not here to impose anything on them um, except, you know, to just be present and to listen well and to grow this relationship together. Historically, we find this. This very thing that we're presented with has been such a part of the Celtic tradition. No matter where the Celtic people were located in the world, it's in their DNA. I think, you know, it's very easy to see in the Gospels how much time Jesus spent being with and being available and vulnerable to people. So it's just a natural outgrowth of what it means to be a Celtic Christian in the world today. I'm super excited about it and very, very grateful that our paths have crossed.
0: I'm just thinking kind of out loud here. And, um, you know, when we think about problems that we have in the world, something that I'm becoming more and more convinced of is just how obvious it is of the importance of community. You see struggling people. I mean, we're right on the, you know, it was just earlier this this week as we're recording this where we saw what happened in nashville and there's just always always a lot of hard things that are going on in our world and and a lot of times i wonder how much the role of community plays in that because we live in this culture in america specifically i know not everybody that listens to this podcast is from america but i'll talk about the united states we live in this kind of me first culture i can do it on my own kind of culture. Um, in what ways do you, I mean, the way the bridge of hope is working, it seems kind of obvious, but in what ways do we see community as the answer to a lot of the challenges we see in our world? And I'll throw that out to either of you.
2: I I think the, the biggest piece is, um, community gives us additional perspectives on what life could be. Um, and also, yeah, just, um, Knowing that you don't have to stay where you are, and there are people who want to partner with you in, in going to where you want to go. Um, that is something that a lot of the women in our program, when they initially come in, they're very hesitant about um, having neighboring volunteers. Uh, they are often like, well, I guess I have to because you guys tell me I do. <laughs> um, but but it, thankfully, it usually often pretty quickly turns into a relationship over the course of a few months. Um, and like one of the the most special things i've seen was uh, we have a, a young mom in our program uh who has two two young kids and she she made the decision to um to move out of state and to start a new life um with her two young ones she's working super hard um but she doesn't ask for help um and she and she feels like this is just this is just what what life is i i can't take time off i can't have fun i just have to to hustle and grind. And and there's definitely an element of truth to that for this stage of life, but also, um, her group of volunteers, um, there's actually a number of them who have children her same age. And a lot of the people in this group have actually walked through some really challenging things in their life too. And so they've been wonderful at connecting with her and just helping her see that, like, yes, you can come from hard stuff and, and, and come to good stuff in the future. Like they've, they've come kind of full circle um, and she gets to see that and she's encouraged by that. And so she is asking for help now and she is letting them babysit her kids and things like that. Um, so just, I, I just see like a whole perspective change of, I don't have to do it on my own. And there is hope at the end of this.
1: And think about the part of the mission of Celtic Way is to rub up against our culture in ways that our, our culture is not healthy. And this whole radical rugged individualism you know i'm on my own i do it and god knows ever since the pandemic we we increasingly become more isolated and individualistic and the and the celtic christian voice is no you're not meant to do this journey alone jesus never sent people out one by one that just didn't happen there's always two by two and symbolically there's just such a message there and you know there uh, there is no individualism in Celtic Christianity. It's just, it just doesn't exist. So the life force where, where we can eventually over time to trust and then building relationships, we can become somewhat in a healthy way, vulnerable, right? And available to one another, which I mean, come on, our society is lacking that at every age group, right? There's such a need for community and the benefits of it
0: yeah I'm reminded of this this young teenage. he's He's a high schooler. And uh, his response to kind of this this same type of revelation, he just simply said, "Knowing that I'm not alone is the greatest feeling in the world."
1: Wow! And
0: uh, sometimes it's this simple comments like that that are so profound. All right. Hypothetically, I'm a single mom. I come in. I connect with Bridge of Hope. Just walk us walk us through walk all the listeners through the process of what happens with Bridge of Hope. Number one, how does somebody find you? Number two, how does the process go of just uh, from day one to the day. When they leave,
2: yeah, great question. Um, so oftentimes people actually find us just through the internet. Uh, they're looking for help, um, and we're pretty specific in who we can help. And so if they look up, you know, single mom homelessness at uh, Denver, they'll find us. Um, and so they often apply through our, our website. Um, we do have a, a pretty uh, in-depth um, application and interview process, and the the reason for that is that um. We really want to set up these families for long-term success. And um, with our current program, um, we really need people to be in a spot in their life where they're ready for some big change pretty quickly. And we have a a couple pieces of stability in place um, because they jump right in and I'll get into the housing in a minute, but they have to be ready to to sign a lease. And so we know that's no small commitment. And so we we really want to make sure that we're setting them up for success and not um, not eviction. And so we have a pretty in-depth application and interview process, really um, just looking at what their situation is. If we um, think that we'll be able to help um, and we need to see that that motivation from them as well, knowing, of course, they're coming from um, really, really hard situations. They're certainly going to have lots of obstacles that they're working with or else they wouldn't be facing homelessness um so by no means looking for people who have it all together but people who are ready um to really hit the ground running um and once we bring them into our program uh, the first thing that we do is help them find housing as quick as possible because we know that you can't focus on improving your life if you're worried about where you're going to sleep and so um we work really hard to help them find their own apartment um we uh, they they apply for just regular uh, apartments. Uh, they're not, they're not subsidized. Um, they're not um, special. They're just, they're just apartments. Um, but the way that we can help them get in there is that we um, are able to show landlords, this is the amount of financial assistance we can provide while they're in our program. Um, and so their income, because the moms, they, we work with working single moms. Um, so their income plus our assistance um, can get them into an apartment usually pretty quickly. Um, we move them in and then, and we pair them with their neighboring volunteers. We try to do that kind of simultaneously because we know that moving is a huge transition as well. And so having people alongside of you can be really helpful. And then once they're in the program, they meet every week with their social worker or case manager, uh, really working on setting up a goal plan, identifying those obstacles and then identifying, what are we going to tackle first? Because it's it's often too much to, to look at it once. It can be overwhelming. But tackling those little pieces at a time to get them towards uh, that stable life. Um, and then they meet with their, their neighboring volunteers once a month at least. So sometimes they meet more, but that's that's the kind of the minimum is once a month. Oftentimes the neighboring volunteers are inviting the families over for dinner or they're going to the park and letting the kids play while, while the adults um, catch up. Um, it totally just depends on what the group wants to do. But that that piece is really organic, which is cool, the, the neighboring volunteer piece. Um, and then we're providing a little bit more structure and accountability on the, on the uh, Bridge of Hope side with our staff. So that's kind of the short end of it. Uh, you know, as we get to, we have a couple different milestones that we look at, um, especially like one year in, how are they doing? Are they, are they making progress? Um, where do we need to go next? Because it's no small order um, trying to become self-sufficient in Denver. With one income, uh, it's it's incredibly challenging, and um, I I um, you know have to look at my finances as well. With my husband, we have two incomes, and it can still be tough in Denver. And so, um, yeah, these moms have to work super super hard, and so that's why we want to partner with them and provide as much support and encouragement as we can along the way.
0: In what ways can uh, people, listeners, whether we're in the Denver area or outside of the Denver area, like in what ways do you need help? Because I know sometimes we assume certain things, but we want to know right from you, Krista, like what are ways that we can help with Bridge of Hope?
2: Absolutely. So there are like three main ways that people can help. Um, the the first is to pray. Uh, you can do that anywhere and with any amount of resources you have. Uh, we need a lot of prayer because like I said, it's not easy for these families to navigate this. Oftentimes, we come up against some huge, huge obstacles. Even like, sadly, we find that in the first six months, like the families get housed. It's so exciting. It's so great. And then life just smacks them. Uh, they might get in a car accident. They might lose a job. They might um, have a huge health issue come up. And and that can be really disheartening for them and also threatening um, their, their stability. And so we just need a lot of prayer for these families. Um, they're also trying to break free from um, unhealthy relationships during that time. They're trying to start a new path. And so prayer for the families, prayer for our staff, uh, like you mentioned before, it's not an easy job uh, by any means. And, and so we definitely need prayer for that. Um, yeah. And then just pray for opportunities to open up for the families as well. So prayer is prayers, something anybody can do. Um, obviously the the uh, other big thing that people can do is is uh, support us financially. We are 100% donor funded. And so uh, all of the assistance that we provide families, on average, we provide, I think it's about $1,200 a month on average that we provide to a family family. Um, we don't provide a flat fee and I can get into all the details. We we base it on their current situation. We start off providing a ton of support and then we actually kind of wean them off of that support over the course of those two years so that we're actually setting them up to be able to afford the apartment on their own. Um, but we provide we provide a lot of financial assistance. And so um, if anyone has uh, the means to help with that, it's, it's a, a huge blessing because it allows us to provide more support to families. Uh, We also help families get into cars. Uh, We have a partnership with an automotive program here in Denver that um, specifically works with single moms. And so um, we do need some funds to help make that happen. Um, Yeah. Uh, So financially assisting is a huge piece. Um, If people want to go to our website, they can go to bridgeofhopedenver.org to see uh, how to give there. And then the final piece is um, really this volunteering piece, uh, the neighboring volunteer role, which that is location specific. <laughs> so you do have to be in Denver for that. And like, uh, like Scott said, willing to really lean in for one to two years with these families. Um, but that, that is a, a huge piece because our program doesn't happen without the neighboring volunteers. Um, without, without the neighboring volunteers, without that community, we're, we're doing the best that we can as social workers, but we can't, you know, call up the family on a, you know, Saturday morning and and just check in for whatever, or have them over for dinner. Like there's, uh, you know, there's some limits to what we're able to do as social workers, and so uh, we really do need people to to partner with us.
0: Yeah, how many people are you supporting right now? How many single moms?
2: So currently, about twelve. Um, so a little bit small right now. We typically serve close to twenty. Uh, we've just had some, some transitions in the last month. But
0: awesome, Scott. Thoughts to bring us home here today?
1: Yeah, I'm just happy, just so happy. I couldn't wait to get Crystal on the podcast and. And hope that you'll come back again with some stories and updates about what's happening. But have been looking and longing for a place like this where we can really be hands-on living out the Celtic way uh, in our neighborhood to provide some assistance and some good listening. I'm just feeling like spring is really coming alive now. This is like a dream come true. And, and it's so much a part of our vision and our calling. So I'm just feeling really blessed and very happy. and. Um, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to get this story out
0: there. Awesome, Crystal, how do how do people get a hold of you?
2: Uh yep, so through the website is is the best way. So bridgeofhopedenver.org. Um and we have a a contact page and all sorts of stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks Crystal for being here with us today. Thanks Scott for introducing us. Yeah. And- yeah any listener out there that wants to help in any way just please hop on the website i'll put a direct link in the show notes and i'm sure we'll hear more from crystal and bridge of hope in the near future
1: yeah thank
2: you
0: for more information on celtic way go to CelticWay.org. you can also find us on facebook at celtic way colorado or on instagram at celtic way official Special thanks to Suzanne Canzera for the music for this podcast.
1: Seasons come and go, darling. pra uh.